Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Welcome back to Black Letter, our podcast. Today with me in the studio, I've got Mr. Ellis Bennett and Mr. Ben Barlow. Mr. Bennett is an attorney with Dunlap Bennett and Ludwig, as is Mr. Barlow. Uh, Mr. Bennett was a, an attorney with the Judge Advocate General Corps of the U.S. Army. He prosecuted cases in Guantanamo Bay, Fort Benning, all over the place for the U.S. Army, and then was a federal prosecutor in Alexandria, Virginia. Mr. Bennett has held a top secret clearance in the past. And Mr. Barlow with me today uh, former attorney for the NSA, National Security Agency, also held a top secret clearance, also compartmentalized clearance and full poly. So we would say TSSCI full scope poly, um, which is a mouthful. We're here to talk about security clearances. And for my listening audience, I myself held a top secret clearance for nine years. Crazy. I can't believe they gave it to me, but they did. Um, and uh, that was when I was in the Army. But I'm going to learn a little bit more about kind of the underpinnings of security clearances, uh, why we, what is a security clearance, who needs one, uh, how to keep it or avoid losing it, and if you do lose it, how you might be able to get it back. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Jared Kushner, maybe, because he has some security clearance stuff going on, the president does, that, that is interesting in, in a legal sense. We're not going to dive into any political sensitivities here, but we will talk about it in a legal sense. So thank you guys for joining me. Uh, so let's, I guess, kick it off with a kind of underpinning question so we can set the stage for the audience. What is a security clearance? Tr Actually, you know what? Back up. What is TS? Top secret. Okay. So this is because in the land of security clearance, we're like in the military world, we're in the alphabet soup world of NSA and J-A-G, JAG, and um, so TS is top secret. What is SCI? Sensitive compartmented information. Okay, so now we've established the acronyms. We have top secret, SCI, and then what is a full scope poly? Well, really, even you mentioned JAG and sort of our experience in the intelligence community, but polygraphs, well, let's back up a step. Um, security clearances are something that's used throughout the government. There's employees at Homeland Security, Department of the Interior, there's EPA attorneys. There are people all over the federal government, especially in this area that we're in, in Northern Virginia, that have, have need for security clearances. But then some agencies, usually in the intelligence community, have a security clearance that relies also on a, a polygraph examination, a lie detector for the employees that would hold it. And you can have two different types of polygraph examinations. You can have a CI, a, a counterintelligence polygraph that will just sort of be a lie detector test about whether you've turned over information to, to sketchy people in the past, or you can have a lifestyle 
uh, polygraph that gets more into questions about what have you done, what crimes might you have committed sometime in the past. When you add both of those, the CI and the lifestyle poly together, you have the uh, sort of the most arduous form of polygraph, full scope and that poly. becomes a, a full scope poly. Yeah, those are crazy. So is that what you had a full scope poly, right? Unfortunately. Yeah. So Ben, Ben was secret squirrel at the NSA for six years. Um, so now we've kind of cleared the air about acronyms. I think we've got that established. So what is a security clearance? What, why do you need one? Who issues it? What is it? Well, essentially what it is, it's, it's, it's the government's way to make sure you're trustworthy and you're not going to spill the beans <laughs> to, to some other government, uh, whatever, whatever those are. I mean, so, some people, various levels of clearance, which Ben got into a little earlier, which are confidential, secret, top secret, and then the top secret SCI, uh, which he talked about. Most people have the lower level ones. And I, I read a statistic to keep this exciting. Um, Ooh, <laughs> exciting statistic. Yeah, exciting well, statistic. Well, I will share with our viewers that this is not Coca-Cola in these, in these glasses that we have here. This is, in fact, Widow's Peak Bourbon from upstate New York, I think. So, so this, it's already exciting. It, it, is, it, is, it is. Okay. Exciting. So what's your statistic? Share. Well, I, I think around 60% of government employees and contractors have some type of security clearance. So that's hundreds of thousands of people. So literally that many people's jobs and livelihoods depend on, on this clearance process. And it, 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 it can go wrong from the very beginning. And hopefully we can get into that. Um, a lot of times people are not completely forthcoming. And a lot of times it's innocent. Well, so, which, so, so let me just understand this sure. fully. Hundreds of thousands of people have security clearances. Who gives them that clearance? The government. Department of Defense primarily. It's also okay. Office of Personnel Management has a role in it. And the DNI, uh, Depart uh, Defense uh, National Intelligence. Department of National Intelligence. Yeah, sorry. Uh, who so DNI, DOD, and OPM. Exactly. Just want to make sure we have Office of Personnel Management, Department of Defense, and... Directorate of National Intelligence. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so we've got lots of acronyms, and they issue control. Who revokes security clearances? Those same, those same entities, um, okay. essentially. And, and they all, all the processes work almost exactly the same. Different decision makers within those organizations implement the policy, but the policy is... is How do you get a security result. clearance? I'm a contractor. I'm an Army officer. I remember I had to fill out a... Uh, 300 seeming page form, an SF-86 on paper. Uh, of course, this was not recently. This was the Clinton administration to get my first security clearance. But um, how do you do it now? How do you get a security clearance well, these it, days? It's still that same basic process. And it might take, uh, it might be a little bit helpful. I don't know for the listeners, if we even take one step back. Yeah, yeah, let's do so it. Many, so many people will understand exactly what we're talking about. Okay. Take this area, the D.C. metro area up in Howard County, Maryland, where I live, all of northern Virginia. I have so many people whose livelihoods depend on government employment. Right. Usually the first step to getting government employment for a huge portion of those jobs is to get a security clearance. Once you get a security clearance, you get your foot in the door, you're able to move around the government at will. But the security clearance is really the gateway to entering government employment or even private sector contractor. So employment. any employment, or like if I'm going to be a secretary at the Department of Homeland Security, will I have to have a security depends, clearance? Depends on where you will be the secretary. That okay. if you're a secretary at NSA, if you're a secretary at CIA, you'll probably have to have some level of clearance. If okay. you're a contractor entering that space, 
if you're going within the gate at, okay. uh, out at Langley or up at Fort Meade, you probably have to either have a blue badge, which means you're an IC employee and you have a security clearance, or you have a contractor clearance. Okay. Um, so people, once they, you, so you want a job with the government, you think you want a job because they're high paying with a contractor that has jobs in the intelligence community, you apply for the job, they come back, say you need a security clearance, and so they give you a lot of paperwork, a huge form called the SF-86, yet another This acronym. isn't digital yet? Uh, it's, it's still, at least when I did it, you still had to do a lot of hard copy stuff. So I'm curious, I, I actually have no idea what this stands for. What is the SF for? Standard form. Oh, standard form 86. <laughs> it's, nice. It's the government. You that's know, very making government. complex, the pretty simple. That's OPM choosing the SF. And so the SF 86, really, when you're filling out that information, it wouldn't be a lot different than people who are applying for different jobs that you're, you're filling out a more detailed, but basically an employment history. You're filling out a detailed listing of where you've lived. But the interesting part is you're also, live, you're also writing down who you've known at those addresses. Because once you turn your SF-86 in, they'll assign it to an investigator who will follow up and ask questions of your neighbors. They'll, they'll make sure that you're not a risk. So it's sort of 1984, George Orwell. Yeah, kind of, kind of a, res- a resume from hell meets or, a fair level of suspicion. Have you, have you seen Gattaca? Yeah, I did see Gattaca, like Keanu Reeves, like, I, it's Probably an out-of-date reference, but kind of like Gattaca no. a little bit. Like they're controlling everybody. I guess they're not controlling, but they're, they're into your life pretty deeply when you get a security clearance. Yeah. So why do you need a security clearance? I mean, you said to be employed by the government or to be a contractor, but can you be, I mean, what if you lose your security clearance and you're a contractor employed by the well, government? The reason you have a security clearance is so that you can have access, access to protected information okay. that has been classified at some level or another. We have We have basic information that might be classified at a low level um, up to the military, up to the nuclear codes that you think about the the president carrying around in his football. They would be at the highest level of classification. So, so for example, um, I, if I don't have a security clearance right now, I couldn't have those nuclear codes, could I? I hope not. Even if I want them. I'm not sure I'd give you the nuclear codes with a security clearance. Well, but what about, never mind. No, but that's that's exactly why it's that's why exactly why it's so important that if you have a job and you have a security clearance that says you can have access to information at your job, if you do anything that causes you to lose your security clearance, all of a sudden you can't perform your basic job functions. You can't have access to the facilities that you need to or the information that's at those facilities. And so, so you can't work. Your, your security yeah. clearance is your livelihood. It is. It's right? your license to work in the government. It's your license to work for the government, in the government, with the government. So let me ask you this. Ellis, how do you lose your security clearance? You, you lose it essentially by the government learning of something that, that makes them to question your responsibility. And, gotcha. And really, so you can do bad stuff. You just have to keep it secret? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Well, that, that's, uh, that's something that people do try to do, and, and it ends up making it worse. So, they tend to fail. Um, they, right. they tend to fail because what happens in the security clearance process is every five years at least um, – there's a reinvestigation. And at that point, they run your credit report again, and they do a criminal uh, history report. So if you have not disclosed some violation that occurred between the time you were granted a clearance initially, and when that uh, PR... Speeding uh, tickets. What if I got some speeding tickets? I'm embarrassed. I don't disclose them. Am Um, I going to lose my clearance? If it's just a regular speeding violation, you probably don't have to report that to your security officer. If there's reckless driving or some 
some Ooh. extra factor that might yeah. call into question your responsibility. Um, you should probably tell your security officer. Um, so, so there's my question then. If, is it better to get ahead of the game and tell your, your security officer that you might have a problem with your clearance and risk your livelihood? Or is it kind of better to be like, eh, maybe they won't find out and, you know, de- you know if, if see what happens, kind of adopt a wait get, and see approach? Yeah, better to get ahead of it. And, and really okay. getting ahead of it from the very first time you apply for a security clearance, because there's really an art to filling out the SF-86. Mm-hmm. You know, it, a- it asks standard questions. Where have you lived? Do you drink alcohol? Have you How ever often? sold secrets to the Chinese? Doesn't ask that specific question. I feel but, like you. I feel like you that, should, that would be bad. Seems like, yeah. seems like it would be a good <laughs> yeah. question to yeah. ask. That would like. be a good question to ask. They do ask. God, have I feel like they should ask to the U.S. So you'd probably have to answer no to that question if uh, the allegiance to the U.S. Yeah, thing. Yeah, if you're being honest. So like you'd have to have secrets in the first place. Yeah, when you're right. filling when you're filling out that SF-86, then virtually everyone you run into i don't know if i don't know if jesus went for a security clearance but everybody else you run into has something in their background that they're a little bit worried about I'm pretty sure jesus doesn't have a clearance might it's not a us national <laughs> no, it's not da- technically can't get one <laughs> that's true i don't there, think there, he's eligible well and there are two yeah, reasons actually it's interesting you, you have yeah. to be a us citizen and you can't be a persistent uh, current drug user uh, those two things are, are automatically Jesus, what? No, I'm take, not calling. They'll take no, care of that. Two reasons. He he fits <laughs> really? the first category. Oh, I see. Yeah, he's not, not a U.S. citizen. Nah, nah. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yep. No, so, I, I fair point. Don't want okay. to cast this version. But they. But so you have to fill out this SF-86 that asks for exhaustive detail of of anything that you might have done wrong. So it really becomes an art at how you describe the things that you've done wrong in your life. And I know this is this is black letter. It's not a, a plug for DBL, but. One of the ways that we help a lot of clients that come in the door is to figure out how you write the SF-86, how you, how you put down the information. How you about, disclose to your security officer. Ex- exactly. And it. then, so we, we help on that. It's a, we help on that level. And then when the day comes where someone's done something that they're trying to figure out, how do I report this to my security officer? That's where we'll talk to clients again, and we'll, we'll advise them on how best to share that information in a way that makes your employer think, hey, here's an upstanding person who might have done something wrong, but this isn't somebody who's trying to get away with something that we have to worry about okay. their access to yeah, information. It's, it, it's all about mitigation, and they use the term called the whole person concept. So that's really, and it's a loose criteria, basically, but, but you know, if someone is a drug user... Um, you know, you want to do your best to mitigate that. Now, it was years ago. It was only marijuana. It, it wasn't right. cocaine. All those things. And there is an art to presenting it. And the, the way the investigators who actually go out and talk to the witnesses who know these people write the reports, they're typically only writing down the negative stuff. They're not putting in the things to explain the right. reasons Was a good it. citizen, was helping people in... Peace Corps when he smoked three pounds of marijuana. Exactly. And people, when they fill out their SF-86, they may have been in the Peace Corps and have all those things and could have people write it up. They don't realize they could submit that with their application. No one usually tells them that. But, you know, it's better to get out in front of it and show the government how good a person you are. So I will share sort of a a horrible story, and I'll let you two guys opine on this. When I This is so long ago, and it's so past, and it didn't actually apply to me, so it's okay that I share it. 
But um, I had sure, a- your, your friend. Here's the story about your friend. I may have been in a military institution at one time, and I was filling out an SF-86, and I wasn't yet a second lieutenant. I was moving into that, and we had a TAC, something called a TAC officer. And he said, do you see that question, candidates, where it says, did you smoke marijuana? And everyone said, yes, sir. And uh, you did not smoke marijuana. And somebody put their hand up and said, but if, put your hand down. So that was the, the conversation I had. So I, I feel like um, at the time, that particular person who was raising their hand was being advised not to report something uh, when they were applying on their SF-86. I, I, now, I'm not saying that was the right move. And I kind of say it because it was pretty funny that actually that guy was raising his hand and it seemed fairly obvious he did not want questions at that point. When actually that... It's a topic for a different day, but that, uh -huh. that is dealing with an issue that's different, that uh, uh, the way we treat uh, members of the military mm -hmm. who are going for security clearances versus uh, members of the general public. Who are oh, is that for, different? It's, it's very different. Because um, say that you're, I'm not going to talk so much from my experience because I- uh, NSA? I, I, Can't talk about it? I, I made Ooh. an affirmation that I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about some things, but say somebody's working at, at CIA. And, CIA and NSA are both, uh, both joint uh, service environments. Uh, NSA is completely joint, which means that you have members of the military who are working side-by-side, -side, members of the general public. Um, but a contractor at NSA who has a security clearance, or even a civilian employee at NSA who has a, uh, has a security clearance, and a military member who's working at one of these intelligence facilities that has a security clearance, they have Really, their security clearances are the same, but they're different. And okay. the way that they're different is for agencies that require a polygraph right. that we talked about earlier to have your security clearance, especially agencies that require a full scope polygraph. Remember, we said that's the, that's the combination of the lifestyle. The, yeah, the counterintelligence and with counterintelligence. the lifestyle. Yep. Um, military members, though, just take the CI polygraph. They just take uh, okay. the CIA just the counterintelligence. Part. And so at some of our intelligence facilities where you have people retire from the military and then try to come back into the contractor workforce, oh. they'll be taking a lifestyle poly for the first time. And they'll be getting dinged on a lifestyle poly. And so you'll have a lot of people who get dinged on a lifestyle poly and aren't granted a security clearance when they've had a security clearance wow. for 20 years. So could we make you – so you, you don't have a clearance now right? Because I've been out of the NSA for a few years. Yeah. Um, so if I asked you, what'd you do at the NSA? Could you tell me? No, because uh, in my... Uh, so what when, did you do at the NSA? When, could, <laughs> I could kill you. <laughs> no, that, I don't think that's one fair. Of, in, our, in our intelligence uh, communities like uh, CIA, FBI, Secret Service, It's not like you're going to lose your clearance NSA, if you tell me. Even though you don't have an active security clearance, there's some when you, when you take your oath of office or affirmation, as I did, when you enter into service, there are some lifelong obligations that you take on. So do I have those too? I don't know what you agreed to. <laughs> if I had a TS clearance in the well, military? Well, my, well, I don't know. In It'd be the, good to know, right? In the IC, the intelligence community. I don't know anything. Things I agreed to do for the rest of my life is that I wouldn't disclose confidential information that I'd received or classified information that I received in the course of my employment, mm -hmm. that I would always subject anything that I write, pre-publication review. That means that if I put a paragraph on my resume about what I did when I came to Dunlap, Bennett, right? and Ludwig, when, I, when I'm writing down a paragraph about what I did Just like we did for agency, Bob Edinger. 
who was at yeah. CIA, who, one of our partners at Dunlap Bennett Ludwig is at the CIA. You constantly yep, have to have to worry about and, yep. and what I put and what I'm putting down on paper is that something that I've put down before on paper and it's been approved or gotcha. something new where I'm going to have to contact people. So that's why if you're hiring a lot of people from the IC, they'll try not to write Ooh. stuff down because they don't. Acronym pause. The IC intelligence, intelligence community. community. Yep. But people in the IC say the IC all the time. And I'm thinking Orange County, you know, <laughs> but like, it's like Ithaca County or something like that, like somewhere that's not as nice, but it's the intelligence community, right? Okay. So, so, so we... especially in, when I talk about like the difference between the uh, civilian members and, and uh, military members going for their, going for their security clearance, it becomes especially important that right. for military members that are then having to refill out information that they might want to check with somebody and get advice of how, how do I explain now for the first gotcha. time that I've, that I've smoked pot, that I've, that I've done other things. Not that, that you have, I, but that this hypothetical That the person. hypothetical person did. Right. So that's the front end of security clearances. The back end, you lose your security clearance. I know for a fact that Ellis Bennett, you have um, never lost a security clearance case. Uh, and and that, you, you're not true. allowed to say that, but I know it's true. And uh, you've successfully defended every single security clearance revocation you've ever litigated. How do you do that? How do you get back your clearance? How do you defend a, a revocation? I mean, I, th I think yeah, the, the reason for that success in, in, in litigating these cases is I've had people who have really just not disclosed the mitigating evidence at the beginning. And th that's where people, you know, it's, it's a process where people just don't get out in front of disclosing their you know, negative information a lot of times. And, and it's a lot of times it's just because they don't think of it and they're answering the questions that are on the paper. And that's I'm seeing a theme between you and Ben here. The theme is disclose ahead of time, mitigation, 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 mitigation. And everything you're saying, how you answer questions, how you deal with a revocation. Um, so thank you to our sponsor today, Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig. Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig solves complex business problems with smart solutions acting as advocates and advisors to their clients with diverse professional backgrounds from MBAs to PhDs to bankers to military officers, real-world experience for real-world problems. Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig doing better law. To find out more, visit www.dblawyers.com. So I think, I don't know if we've beat the security clearance horse to death, but the other question I had for you guys was something related to security clearances about debarment. Uh, can you can you tell me what is deep? What is how do you get barred in the first place? We're not talking about an attorney's bar because you don't really get barred, but you can be debarred. So what is that? So it's it's a related concept for companies typically, um, and debarment is usually a three year. You can't be a government contractor anymore. Three years. Uh, not suspension, three years. So is that ban. companies, people? It's it's both. Um, typically, typically. A lot of these government contractors are one or two or three people companies at the beginning. But if the owner of the company is debarred, the company's debarred. Okay. Own. So, um, and there's another concept that's related. Where to do I find out who's debarred? Uh, on SAM, which is, I don't Is that remember. a person? <laughs> a system remember. for award management? That's yeah, it. That's go. it. Yeah, I couldn't remember that. Actually. I know like one yeah. thing, apparently. But anyone can look it up. It's, it's not uh, even it's, secret. It's a federal database for government contractors. Okay. SAM.gov? SAM.gov. That's it. See who's it. debarred. So if somebody's debarred, if, if I'm a private, should I not do business with them too? If they can't work for the government? Or what does that mean? How did um, they get debarred? 
private companies can decide what they want to do. It's, it, it's very broad. They can get debarred for any number of things, not paying their taxes. A lot of, most of the time it happens when a company has been investigated for some sort of criminal conduct. A lot of times it's fraud. Uh, okay. Um, and so that's uh, not good. That's not good. And, and, you know, in those situations, which is probably why I have a good track record, I haven't taken those individuals on as clients because those are tough ones to overcome. But a, a uh, recent case that we did yeah. take on just in the last year, it, Debarment case? We had, yeah, we had okay, an tell me about individual that uh, had a individual that had workplace difficulties with the supervisor. Supervisor ends up running him through HR. He gets fired, but then the supervisor takes the additional step of uh, submitting his name for investigation of whether he should be on the debarment list. He gets added to the debarment list. His whole future's in jeopardy. He comes to us and says, you know, Really, I just had a workplace squabble with my boss. Um, what do I do? So this about is like this? vindictive response by the boss, out of out of line, probably. That's what it seemed like on our side. Uh, yeah. His employer was a a huge employer here in the the Washington D.C. metro area. But he came to us, and we were able to talk to him about uh, what his issues were. Um, go through a lot of steps, a lot of appeals with the employer, and then with uh, with the folks in charge of debarment. Um, the end result. Now, debarment's not by DOD or OPM. That's by agency, right? So you get debarred. Agency is if it's Homeland Security, Homeland Security debars you. If it's- and I believe, as I remember this case, I believe it was the Depart- Department of the Army okay. that, we, so Department that of the Army. we worked with. And the end result, it took a long time, um, but he's not on a debarment list so now. So if you're, if you're debarred and you, you win and you're no longer debarred, is that undebarred? Well, you debarred? You can be... T- it could, rebarred? It could rebarred. Possibly... That's a, it's a rebar. I think it's a rebar. Yes. So, so that's an iron, that's, iron no, decision. But it's, yes. it's tough that we've – so it's sort of interesting, both on the debarment side and the, the, um, the intelligence or the clearance, clearance side, side, that we've dealt with the debarment um, person. Then we also dealt with another client in the last year that worked for FBI who uh, the agency thought that he had driven while intoxicated. That was a huge issue. Did he have a DUI? Was he convicted of a DUI? He wasn't convicted of a DUI. But just because you're not convicted of a DUI doesn't mean that the agency, if they feel there's evidence, can't find that you're uh, you're responsible for a DUI. So in this case, even though he had not been charged through the judicial process with a DUI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation felt that there w- the evidence was sufficient to determine that he should no longer have an intelligence, uh, his, have his clearance. And so we, we looked into that matter, just like we did on the debarment side, went through the process, usually lengthy processes to get somebody cleared in, uh, in those steps. But going through appeals, you end up... So he was eventually cleared and reinstated with his security clearance? Well, he didn't lose his security clearance. As I recall, yeah. through a number of appeals, we ended up with a 40-day suspension reduced to a, a one-day suspension because um, Pretty I don't think, the, don't think the government wanted to go too far in admitting that it was wrong, but they were wrong. So current events, la- last thing I want to hit on with you guys because it's exciting and it's current. I saw in the news that um, somebody named Kushner, is that the I, guy's I've heard name? Of him. You've yeah. heard of, have you guys heard of him? Have you heard of him? We're using law coasters. So this protects us. Um, but he had a security clearance instated, right? 
against the recommendation of the IC, against a recommendation of DOD, somebody, something well, like that. Well, we're so, not exactly so Alice, you know, sure. Okay. So tell me what you know. reporting a lot of uh, differing accounts of this. But, yeah, so what happened? I mean, what do what we know? We, what we do know is that he's amended his SF-86, that form we keep hearing about several times, yeah. to include things that weren't originally included, which kind of gets back to our theme. Full disclosure at the beginning. So he got a good um, lawyer after doing. He has it. has one of the best Abby, lawyers, Abby Lowell, yeah. one of the best attorneys in the uh, D.C. metro area. Besides you, what? But <laughs> so let me Ellis. let me ask you this. Um, so what what things did he disclose? What do we know? Well, what additional? I'm not things? exactly sure. I think it has to do with foreign influence, um, foreign potential contact. foreign contacts, foreign influence, probably possibly <laughs> um, financial entanglement with. Foreign countries. It's like been Russia, reported. or uh, I've seen uh, I've seen different countries that he might have investments in. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want to get right. into no, the details. Well, one of the of it, one of the parts of if you have a security clearance and you're working and you're working at the uh, yeah. in the IC the intelligence uh-huh. community, one of the things that you, that's an ongoing obligation is that you have to report to your security officer foreign contacts that you might have and. For people who don't work in that world, it might right. seem strange, but there are a lot of other people working who are afraid if they start talking to somebody at a bar in an airport and it turns out that they're from China, that all of a sudden they're going to have to wonder, do I need to report this to my security officer at work or not? Um, What's at the least, answer? At least from what I read in the Jared Kushner situation is that maybe there have been 40 times where he's had to update his... Uh, his FSA, SF-86 to uh, disclose that he's had a foreign contact. Forty times? I, I thought that yeah, was something it, it, I heard this morning several, or something. And that's not that unusual for someone like him that has that a lot travels of internationally, Oh, I business. See. I gotcha. But, but you have to report So is the media every... overblowing it to some degree? There's kind of a combination Well, you of never things. know. Things yeah. are so polarized yeah. in the news today. Really? But, for, <laughs> but for instance, I know, I know you're getting ready to go on this amazing trip to South America. If you had your security clearance and you're in South America and you're in Ecuador. Oh, I'm not talking to anyone. In Quito and yeah. you talk to somebody nope, in a restaurant. Not if you had your security clearance, you would come back and you would think, okay, I need to list that I spoke to these six people uh, in substance, not just sort of a passing conversation. And evidently, the Kushners, from what I understand outside of politics, is that they have a huge business empire lots of activities overseas. And so it's not strange to think that someone would have a lot of foreign contacts that gotcha. they need to update their form with. But evidently, his foreign contacts were of such a, were to a degree that made people wonder about whether he might be subject to foreign influence. And that's one of the factors that you look at to yep. determine whether or not to give somebody a security clearance. And, and I just know what I've read in the, in the Washington Post. Um, and the, the Post articles evidently suggest that, uh, that there was enough of a, a worry about whether he would be subject to undue influence mm-hmm. that the official recommendation to the president was that he not be granted a security see, clearance. And then the president trumped that, that. And, uh, and decided Ooh, that good, maybe good he adjective. should have one. I think that was a good use of and an adjective. Or the, adverb. The trump, it trumped it. Trumped At the it. end of the day, the... the President as chief chief executive has the authority to grant yeah, anyone a clearance, he does. And, and it's been reported that he, against the advice of his close confidants, including General Kelly, granted the clearance. And it's disputed, I think, um, but but there's reporting. But what you're you there. guys are both saying that it's not unusual for him to have those contacts, and you know, likely nothing wrong. But if he was a normal, regular guy. He probably wouldn't get his clearance because this IC would be like, well, 
it's not unusual. We're not saying it's a problem, but that's just too much. Yeah, and we he, can't deal with. He um, he has the fortunate situation of having a father-in-law that's the president of the United States. Yeah, that yeah. most other people don't have a father-in-law that's president, that. and so when that decision comes down from either the IC, the top people in the IC that say we don't think a clearance should be granted in this situation, usually there's no one that can trump that. Yeah, well, and there. I but there's. Yep, you did it again. Yeah, yeah I there, feel like it's a no, thing for you. Uh, there's no appeal yeah. process generally after that final decision's been made by yeah. the appeals board, unless you can get approval from the chief executive, which Mr. Kushner was able to walk across the hall. Yep. perhaps. And, and, I and think that's like our next level of representation <laughs> is you get get that kind of clearance uh, approval. But so, it gets, I don't mean to interrupt, but it no, gets back ahead. to you know it, some attorney. Um, could have helped Mr. Kushner at the beginning, yeah. probably to 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 make him understand, uh, you know, how important it was to list all these contacts. And, and so that's the big takeaway. So so big takeaways from today is get ahead of anything with clearance or debarment. Report in advance yourself so that it's framed in the right way. I think that's the first big takeaway. Uh, yeah, I would say so. And 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 by not listing it. Not only is there potential questions about foreign influence, but there's also, it gets into another adjudicative factor, which is called personal conduct. And that encompasses- Basically, you're lying. Yeah. Basically, did you lie on your yep. SF-86 or did you just forget? And I think that's kind of the controversy yep. surrounding Mr. Kushner. And for, and for anybody who's actually going to go through the process of, of seeking federal employment, you want to get ahead of the, you want to get ahead of the game because if you don't disclose things, I can just, I mean- not that I had anything not to disclose. The polygraph process is, is not a, an enjoyable part of this. And usually the, the, the whole reason for the polygraph is to make things so uncomfortable that someone will admit those things right. that they maybe have not disclosed previously. Right. And so you really, it's in your best interest if you're going down this road and you have something that you're worried about, Disclose it to just to just seek yeah. out seek out some help and get advice get, from a lawyer. Yeah, get it get advice from attorney an attorney. And so now um, you give me my second takeaway. Well, so I need three takeaways from you guys. Get ahead and mitigate. Seek advice from learned attorneys who know about security clearance stuff. Maybe former NSA attorney, former JAG people who hold clearances. Um, what's what's our third takeaway? For our listening audience today, well, we need I, three. I don't know. This might be two and a half. I think Ellis probably has a better one, but don't don't overestimate the importance of uh, of lots of things in your past. I know that, for instance, the big thing here in the in the D.C. region in Maryland, not so much Virginia yet. We're a little bit behind the times, um, but when it comes to marijuana, mm -hmm. the legal landscape's changing changing quickly. Still all over federally the world. illegal though, right? Still federally illegal, but. Legal landscape's changing really quickly. And sometimes people tend to minimize that when they're thinking about it. They're thinking, hey, recreational use is legal in Washington, D.C., that we have medical use, and I have my medical card in Maryland, so what's the big deal? Um, but just because you think it's not a big deal, and it seems like there's a lot of talk about it and normalizing of behavior, when it comes to security clearances, we still operate... Um, Maybe like a, it's 1952. Yeah, yeah, and you want to you want to take it you want to yeah, take I'm it seriously. You, yeah, you yeah. want to you want to make you. sure that you at least get some advice and say how should I how should yeah. I disclose this? Because if you disclose it appropriately, chances are, um, if you have the skill set needed, where the government wants you as an employee, if you're a SME, yeah, though another acronym, though subject matter expert, subject, subject matter, matter expert. expert. 
if they want you bad enough that uh, the only way you can really screw that up is by not disclosing things the correct way. So that's the takeaway. TSSCI for SME with CIA through DOD and OPM, <laughs> you need to disclose. Is that, uh, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I, I think Ben's right. I mean, if, if that, you know, if you're thinking about whether you want to disclose something or should, you should disclose it. Aaron, Aaron, the side disclosing. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming today. I think we've, we've, you crushed the podcast on security clearances and debarments. Um, if you would come back sometime, we can talk about more fun and interesting stuff in will cases. The, will the whiskey be available? The whiskey will be available. Okay. We Ice. might, we might switch brands. Ice is important. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.